days, our heroes have been wandering the mists of the interview dimension. Dawson, it has taken too long. We really need to find someone to interview. I had no idea the interview dimension was so big. How is it so big, Liam? I, this is my first time here, actually, and I don't even know what to feel right now, but I'm very excited. You know, some of our listeners may presume that we created the interview dimension, but in fact, it's always existed as a plane of existence. Simply, we just discovered how to access it with the magic of inquiry and honest conversation. And Dawson, who's that? Who's that over in the distance, portaging a canoe across the shallows of the river of, of inquiry and, and curiosity? Honestly, I don't know, Liam. How about you tell me? Tell, tell everybody. I'm too excited. The silhouette. The silhouette is, is, is approaching through the mists. I see a face emerging. Could it be? It's Naomi Withers. It can't be. Council candidate for Ward 9. Naomi. Naomi, do you see us? Hi. Hi, Liam. Nice to see you. Dawson. Dawson, welcome to the interview dimension. Hello. <laughs> Fancy meeting you here. You're just the person that we wanted to talk to. Well, I'm excited to be here. In the interview dimension is one of my favorite dimensions. Oh, well, it's, it's full of curiosity and wonder and excitement, and that's what we're all about. Do you mind if you, we ask you a few questions? I mean, we're in the right place, the right setting, the interview dimension. you mind if we give you a, a quick little interview here? Yes, let's have a conversation. All right, let's do it. Uh, you know, I, there's a, f- a few things happening in the city. I'm not sure if you knew, but there's, a lot of, there's an election going on, Naomi. And today is advanced vote day. And what a momentous day it is. Uh, my, my watch, my trans-dimensional watch is telling me uh, that it's time for me to vote later on today. Um, but first, I really need to ask you some questions about some student issues in the city of Calgary. Uh, one of those issues is kind of an issue of Cal- in Calgary in, in general, but we're going to refine it down to the student level a little bit. What role do you see students having in ensuring Calgary's economic revitalization? How can we empower students to participate in and retain graduates to do just that? Absolutely. That is a really key question right now. Um, Number one, thank you for hosting this podcast in our interview dimension. Getting people engaged in the process in different ways and finding ways to communicate differently than we've typically been communicating is really, really key. Um, so I appreciate you know, all the interviews and surveys that we've been able to do as a campaign to get people involved. Um, but when it comes to the student population, we have some amazing programs at our educational institutions right now. Um, state hosts so many different faculties, um, the University of Calgary, University of Mount Royal, Bow Valley College, St. Mary's University. There are so many different educational institutions that provide opportunities for young Calgarians and those who are actually reskilling to get back into the workforce or get into a different type of work than we typically have seen in the city of Calgary. And I think that's part of the energy of our city is that new energy where we harness innovation and our entrepreneurial spirit and we allow people to explore and that is how we're actually going to drive an economic engine in the city of Calgary is by diversifying and recognizing where people can add value and giving them the ability to do that. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Dawson, you got any questions? I do have a follow-up question actually. So students are always so curious about when politics are probably happening and elections <laughs> but if the for those that maybe like to want to know more is there anything you'd like to know would you like the students to know about you and your campaign 
I mean, I would love them to learn about our campaign and all the other actual campaigns that are going on right now. Um, we're very privileged that we have the opportunity to participate in politics um, and in democracy in this way. We have a website. Um, it's ward9calgary.com. We've tried to make it really accessible with an FAQ page and also videos. Um, so depending on how people like to receive information, they can go there and check out about us. I am born and raised in Ward 9, um, which is the communities that I am running to be their city councillor and grew up in Forest Lawn. And so I have a perspective from both east and west of the Deerfoot that I'd like to think that is going to benefit us at City Hall. Um, understanding that there's different needs in different communities and having those live conversations at the door is what our campaign has been focusing on. Making sure that we're listening and then that we have ability to lead those discussions at city hall come october 18th so i encourage all of the voters out there to go on calgary.ca slash elections and find out about their candidates um, but to look into us because i think that we've got the right mix of business smart and community heart to really lead calgary forward wow just fantastic thank you so much for telling our students all about you and your campaign yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I want to shift into a, a real specific kind of a niche issue, um, one that's close to my heart. I was the vice president of external last year, and now I'm the president of the State Student Association. This is something that directly affects students. It's something that states has been involved with for years. Um, and it's something that we've been talking to the sitting city council and you know councillors in years past as well, as well as Calgary Transit and the institutions. It kind of ties everyone together, and that's the U-Pass. Are you familiar with the U-Pass? I am. Okay. So did you know that the UPASS is negotiated not between student associations and Calgary Transit, but instead between the institutions and Calgary Transit? This is, according to our research, and this was startling to us, the only major city in Canada where that is the case. Uh, students are not in the room. Uh, do you, uh, are you familiar with these issues? Do you think that students should be in the room? Where's council's role? and kind of making sure that students' voices are heard on, on issues surrounding the UPASS. Having those conversations with all stakeholders in the room is, I think, a really key tenant of my platform. It's making sure that the voices are not only in the room, but they have weight in decision-making. Um, I was lucky enough to get the UPASS when I went to university, um, but I think that there's some other topics that we need to talk about with the UPASS. Is it available in summer? Lots of students are taking summer courses, and do they have access to a UPASS? And even if they're not taking summer courses, are they in our city, and how do you ask someone who's probably working two or three jobs or minimum wage jobs to then all of a sudden afford a bus pass that they're not prepared to? Um, and so I think that by actually offering a more broad UPASS that goes 12 months of the year, that's one of the ways that we can actually retain students in our city in those summer months instead of having them go back home if they've chosen Calgary as the educational institutions um, when they're coming from abroad. So I think we've got lots of topics to talk the UPASS about. I love it. I think that it provides you know an affordable, accessible way to explore our city and to get to and from classes conveniently. Um, where I grew up uh, on the east edge of the city, I actually had to get a car to go to university um, because there was no transit where I lived. And so I found an inexpensive car and I drove to Franklin C train station and I used my U-Pass to access transit. And if I had to not only drive that vehicle to the train station, but to university, pay for parking, university fees start to add up. 
And I think that the U-Pass is a really important conversation and a really vital piece of all of our educational infrastructure. Absolutely. Um, I'm actually going to jump in with a follow-up here before we move on to another topic, Um, specifically because your ward contains some of the eastern parts of the the city where, as you said, transit can be a little spotty. What's your stance on transit? Do you have any policy initiatives out the gate that you'd like to, to see when you get into council? So with transit in East Calgary, we have a excellent BRT system now that moves up and down 17th Avenue. And so we need to focus on making sure that the frequency of those routes works for everyone. And when it comes to changing the schedules on a quarterly basis, I like the idea of more fixed routes and less change because it allows students to really schedule their classes. And if we're constantly changing the bus schedules or the train schedules, it doesn't work as well for students because we've created uncertainty. So working with students and the students associations to engage on transit routes, I think is really important moving forward. Awesome. Thank you. I'd I'd like to just shift over to another topic real quick. Um, Obviously, you take transit to school, but you're coming from your home. Dawson. Yeah, I have a follow-up question. Something that's Another topic that's really, really important for students and um, just their everyday life and, you know, balancing everything so well. But how will you ensure that we're keeping um, housing affordable for students? Because things are always so crazy and expensive for us. We have an affordable housing crisis in the city right now. We, if you look at what a living wage is and the rent that you can afford and assuming that, you know, your housing is supposed to only cost 30% of your total income, those houses don't exist in Calgary right now. And so we're asking many to live in some subpar housing. And I don't think that that's fair or equitable. Um, I'd like the city to see a program where if people are able to offer their homes for rent, um, they're actually able to see a slight property tax reduction if they're willing to have the city of Calgary come in and audit those buildings to make sure that it's good quality rental housing. And by offering a bit of a property tax relief, if you're able to rent out to particular groups like students, um, we'll be able to bring more student housing onto the market. I think it's our job to work with our development community when we're talking about either inner city development or development in the suburbs to make sure that there is a mix of housing. I'm advocating for garage suites in neighborhoods um, that actually fit on top of a standard double car garage because right now the minimum square footage is larger than that. And I think that providing a slightly smaller square footage, but a great house for someone and a student who needs affordable housing is one of the ways that we can start that process. Um, But we need to have a larger conversation with the other levels of government about what affordable housing supports looks like. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you. Um, Speaking a little bit on things like uh, garage suites or secondary suites, um, I think the issue, uh, an issue that is quite um, difficult to navigate, so I'm interested in every, I always want to ask candidates this question, Um, covenant areas. Um, where there's absolutely no development, no secondary suites, what have you, uh, mandated in the neighborhood. Um, Many of these actually surround university and state campuses, places like Briar Hill and University Heights. Um, I think that's got to be a difficult um, area to navigate. How do you work with those communities? Uh, Do you have any, uh, any words to say about that? 
I think that the the key is that is is working with the communities. Um, we need to understand why policy decisions were made in the past, um, in order to influence how they should be changed. And I think it's a a live two way conversation when it comes to development and density. Our city is growing and we need to grow, but we need to understand what those density targets are and really lock them down so that we can have conversations with community and we understand what the framework is that we're working within. And so I think that's one of the main things that we want to look at as city council is how do we create equitable access to housing in every neighborhood, um, especially where people want to be near transit, near schools. And so that's a much broader conversation that I'm looking forward to engaging on. Yeah, phenomenal. Thank you. Um, uh, shifting kind of shifting uh, issues a little bit here. Um, there has been a term kind of thrown around a little bit in the past few years as we find Calgary in a, this economic situation um, of the brain drain. Uh, I've, I've talked to sitting councillors um, in my time as VPX who told me it's a huge issue, something that we need to address. I've talked to sitting councillors last year who told me it's not actually happening. It's a myth. Um, it doesn't exist. Is the brain drain happening, in your opinion? Yes. Okay. Uh, with, with that established, how can the city retain graduates? We've spoken a little bit about that year-round U-Pass, um, about accessible transit. Uh, how can we retain graduates and how can we attract new talent to the city? We have places like Vancouver and Toronto waging a talent war. So it comes to, do we have attractive infrastructure? Um, are we a city that has easy commuting pathways through bike lanes? Do we have a convenient transit system? Do we have affordable housing? Have we invested in our arts and culture scene um, that brings in tourism dollars that supports an attractive downtown that people want to be part of. Um, how are we working with Calgary Economic Development and the Calgary Chamber of Commerce to provide small grants to new companies to come into our city? I think we have the opportunity to look at our downtown as more of a co-working space because we don't have the super major companies filling up 25 office floors at a time anymore. And so how do we change the way we use our spaces that allow small companies and that entrepreneurial spirit to really have the ability to grow? And the 10-person company very quickly becomes a 100-person company and provides employment for those graduates that are in our city. And so we need to look at it as a larger, a larger conversation about what industries are university programs preparing people for and are... Um, college programs and our technical programs and then how have we attracted companies into our city that will use those skills and talents that we have right here yeah phenomenal and I think it, uh, of course those in the institutions are a part of that conversation as, as we find ourselves in a very market-based post-secondary uh, education uh, scenario and, and reality um, I'd like to shift into sit more broad city issues uh, if you don't mind uh, Dawson, you want to take us away a little bit? Absolutely. So another big thing that students really rely on is transportation um, falling from the U-Pass. But what is your stance on the Green Line? I am a strong advocate of affordable, convenient transit that's accessible. And I think the Green Line is going to help us achieve that goal. It's going to allow us to connect more quickly uh, the north and south parts of our community um, into other neighborhoods. 
I have friends in every neighborhood in the city. Well, obviously I can't be every neighborhood in the city, but in all the quadrants of the city and to find a way to get people together um, and to build that sense of community. I think the green line achieves that, but more so the green line achieves the goals of helping to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions and combating the climate crisis. And so the green line has more than one benefit for our city that I think we need to make sure that we're balancing the conversation when we talk about the costs of the green line and we see all of the benefits of that coming into our city. I'd like to see it expanded to include access to the airport via rapid transit. I think that that's also going to make our city much more livable and attractive to people. 100%. Absolutely. Liam? Uh, yeah, so kind of sticking to transportation, um, definitely a major theme in this conversation. The lack of accessible and available transportation is a major challenge for individuals um, who, who might have mobility uh, issues. Limiting individuals uh, from fully participating in all aspects of their community life, what actions uh, will you be taking and can council take as a group to improve the availability of accessible public transportation for individuals with, uh, with mobility issues? I have to I have to think on this one. It's actually not a conversation we've had at the doors yet. And so I, I appreciate it being brought up because just because I haven't heard it before doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Um, we do have campaign volunteers on our um, team who are rely on Access Calgary. Um, and the fact that you have to phone 24 hours in advance to book that is quite difficult for some. It requires a high level of management of your daily calendar, and that's not always accessible for everyone who relies on access um, and so that's one piece is how do we provide more immediate service when it comes to transit instead of asking someone to then pay for a taxi to get to where they need to go which might not be affordable for them um, so that's one piece but I think that we need a multimodal system uh, we actually heard from some neighbors who use mobility aids to say that they are able to use the bike lanes to get around in the winter more accessibly because they're snow cleared when the sidewalks might not be. And so I think we, if we look at it as what are other ways that we can help to move people more efficiently and thinking of dual purposes for some of our infrastructure, like those bike lanes being accessible to people with mobility aids. I think that's one of the ways that we can start to broaden the conversation. That's fascinating. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting how making something, maybe it's a bit of a build it and they will figure out clever ways to use it um, uh, thing, but I think it's fascinating just how many ways people naturally uh, create to use infrastructure once it's actually pres present. Uh, and, and, and to that point, I think it's about measurement, and that's something that we really need to do at City Hall, is once we implement a decision or a policy, what gets measured gets done. And so if we review those policy decisions and we understand and we're watching what's happening with bike lanes or what's happening with transit ridership once the green line comes in, then we can make better policy, decision, policy decisions moving forward that are driven based on data and observation and lived experience. And I think that's really key to council moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And that data really has to come from the community itself. So, so important about engagement. So this is uh, something that's... Um, I'll move on to uh, the final city issue, and uh, this is a t somewhat of a tired topic, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. Something that saw a lot of conversation in council, um, and I've been asking 
sitting councillors this when uh, before the election was called. And I've been asking candidates. Um, any thoughts on the guidebook? I think that we need to remember that the guidebook shouldn't just be a policy. It was a conversation that we had with Calgarians about how they want their communities to grow and how they want Calgary to look in the future. And so to me, the guidebook missed really showing that conversation. Um, it has a lot of fancy language that isn't necessarily accessible to people and so the city of calgary has a plain language policy and i need to i think that we need to make sure that it's built into those documents so that they are accessible um, and the fact that that document is dozens and dozens and dozens of pages and we're asking community members to engage on it it's very difficult to have those conversations when the amount of data we're asking for from people is really overwhelming um, but to me i've heard through local area planning processes in my Ward 9 communities that community members truly want to participate and they want to make sure that their voices are heard and understood and they're participating because they care and not because they want to stop Calgary from growing um, but they're invested in their communities and they want to see that investment respected and so when it comes to the guidebook or the guide for great communities I think it's a document that we need to have. I think it's a plan that we need for our city, but we need to go back and not redo the engagement, but look back at the engagement that was done and make sure that we can trace the citizen engagement into the policy document. And if we see pieces where we can't see the citizen's voice built in or we haven't indicated why the citizen's voice wasn't incorporated, that's where we need to go back and look at it again. Phenomenal. Thank you. Uh, Dawson, want to close this out? Yeah, I sure do. Um, the next topic we're going to end off with is reconciliation, and it's just a huge topic right now, especially with everything going on. Um, so with reconciliation in mind, many Indigenous communities in the city struggle with barriers such as addictions and mental health struggles. What is your stance on giving back to these communities to ensure they're not only being spoken for, but supported through various resources that the city can provide so they aren't left behind? Reconciliation is such an important topic in our city, and it's one that we need to continue to have the conversation on. Um, we need to work with all levels of government and all of our social agencies um, to make sure that we are providing appropriate and respectful programming um, and resources when it comes to supporting our Indigenous community, um, which I'm proud to be part of. So it, to me, it is about making sure that we're prosecuting criminals. Um, and when there's crimes that aren't being committed and it's simply people reaching out for help, that we're providing the help that's required. And so it's a bit of a different relationship with our police service. Um, and I use the word police service um, very um, with purpose because they're there to serve. And I think that we need to make sure that the police have the appropriate tools to respond to mental health and addictions crisis that we are seeing on the streets. Um, affordable housing is a huge piece to make sure that people who want housing can get it. And so working with our um, locals uh, for our Métis community, working with our leaders in our Indigenous communities, our treaty and non-status Indians, um, 
and I, I, I use that word um, very cautiously um, because I know that there's lots of conversations about um, racism in our communities and in every way I want to make sure that I'm being really respectful. Um, and so it's about opening the conversations with the people who are having the struggles directly because I talk to community members and I say, you know what you want in your neighborhood. And I think if we reach out to our indigenous community directly and don't speak for them, that's the best way to make sure that we're achieving um, a great city for all. Thank you, Naomi. Um, I think that's the end of our question list, Dawson. Any kind of closing specialty questions that have arisen in your mind? I have no closing specialty questions in mind, um, but I just wanted to kind of comment and say that I really liked what you said earlier about um, with the policing, giving them the proper training they need for mental health and addictions. I think it's just a really huge topic and a huge issue that a lot of people have recognized. And that's like kind of like one of the main disconnects is when they see Indigenous people, they almost sometimes just assume, you know, it's this or that. When even when that's the case, they don't know how to address it. So the, the, the only way they address it is either arresting or through force, and that is just not okay in this day and time. So I just want to say thank you for saying that. Thanks, Dawson, and thanks, Naomi. Uh, well, this, uh, was, this was the end of our kind of list of questions. Naomi, do you have any questions for us here in the interview dimension before we <laughs> let you throw your canoe back <laughs> in the river of curiosity? I, I appreciate the, the conversation. I think that's what our, our campaign is looking for. Um, through this whole process, it's about the voices. That's what matters to me. Um, that it's the conversations that help us to get to the policy decisions. Um, and that I'm here to listen so that I can lead at city council. And so I really appreciate you allowing us to be here and you taking your time out of your day to interview, you know, your councillor candidates. Um, I'm, I'm privileged to be able to, to sit here and have this conversation. So thank you. Thanks for joining us. Um, oh, and visit me at ward9calgary.com. There's the plug. <laughs> we have a motto on the asterisk. that's always be plugging. Uh, always be branding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, that, rule does, uh, that rule doesn't change when, even in the interview dimension, uh, almost especially in the interview dimension, actually. Uh, well, thank you for joining us here on the banks of the River Curiosity. Um, we'll let you get back in your canoe and paddle away. I hear the splash. Fix that in post. Post. <laughs> um, as the, there we go. As the river, the babbling brook, as the river goes away, it was perfect. Uh, <laughs> well, we had a wonderful time as, as she as she canoes off into the distance. Bye, Naomi. Bye. Bye. Bye.